Well, welcome to How to Human, my friends. So good to be here. It's a Friday afternoon, and I am wrapping up my work week and ending with one of my favorite things, which is to do this podcast episode with all of y'all. And I get to bring a really marvelous guest your way today in our conversation. Some of the best things about this podcast journey, I think, are bringing on some of these incredible humans who happen to be key players in the formation of our young people. And today's conversation is with someone who is absolutely forming our young people as we speak, and her name is Deanna Gump. She is the Notre Dame women's softball coach. And we're going to talk today about getting the most out of those around you. Interestingly, as part of my preparing for our conversation, I learned that Deanna is one of the most highly decorated coaches in Notre Dame history. And not just that, she's also one of the premier D1 coaches in the U.S. She's kind of the real deal, my friends, and I'm just so glad that we get to have this conversation and you all get to be part of it. And Deanna, we're going to bring you back because we're going to take some of the themes that we touched on today to a deeper level. I think we touched on a lot of things and there was lots of conversation and back and forth, but I feel like there's so much more that we could dig into. So we're going to get Deanna back here. But today, enjoy what we touched on. I think you will all have some really good takeaways. And I also think you're just going to enjoy the, the person that she is, what she brings. And um, I think you're all going to be better for it. So I'll see you on the inside. I've known you for 15 years. And what I love the most about you is that there's a lot to you. Um, you have this, I think, really beautiful balance of, of competitiveness, tenacity, intensity, which I love because I'm very intense myself. But then you have this incredible warmth and joy and compassion. And I believe right when I met you and even in conversation, there's a depth and a breadth to you that I think is pretty wonderful. I don't know how many get people get to see it, but I feel like it's just, it's it's there and I love it. Um, so, you know, you are, you're just someone really special and I'm so glad you're in the position you are to, um, you know, be working with young adults who are under construction and, um, in very formative periods of life and, uh, get to learn from the best. So that being said, you are a mom as well to two messy and marvelous young adults, (laughs) Let's just say, because all of ours are this way. And then also you're married to a good egg, John Gump. So um, you bring a whole lot of things to to all of us and to the world. So I would love to just get a little bit of background on you for, for our listeners and just give a little bit of um, structure uh, and help them know you a little bit. So where'd you grow up? And well, first of all, Marta, thank you. Like that, this introduction I think is way too kind. Um, because, but I think I, I say ditto on everything because um, we have known each other a long time and we don't get to see each other often. But every time I see you, I just want to put my arms around you and just thank you for being you because you're an amazing person and I'm lucky to have you in my life. So thank you. Well, mutual. 
Oh, thanks. Okay. Okay. So, so all right. So, grew up in Southern yeah. California. So I um, grew up Southern California. My uh, my world um, from the minute I was six years old on was living the softball world. And it's funny because I didn't know I was even doing it when I was doing it. It was it was the playground. It was the competitive side of me. It was my friendships. It was um, it was my church. It was, you know, where I learned faith in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it's how I, I learned to be me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's why I love it and I'm in it still and why I want to give back to it and help other young women mm-hmm. because I didn't know it at the time, mm-hmm. but it completely formed who I am and who I was. Mm-hmm. And it, the decisions I made along the way in my life all had something to do with, it's almost like a mirror to the game, right? It's how I approach the game is how I kind of approach life. Mm-hmm. And I, I like sport so much because I believe that sport is a mirror to real life. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness it's, it's an easier mirror to real life where life is much harder. Um, but how you handle sport is, I think, how you handle life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I love it so much. And I, and I want to teach people that it's not just winning and losing. It's not about the championships. I mean, obviously that's a big part of it, but it's more about awareness and motivation and confidence and emotional control and emotional management and, mm-hmm. um, routines and, and all the things that go into life and the game. Yeah, it's the foundation. Yeah. Right. From which everything emanates. Yeah. Right. And having that very solid foundation that you're talking about, it sounds like it was instilled at a, you know, from early on and yeah, uh, I, probably just, and I didn't it. know it, you know, that's the funny part is you don't realize it's even happening when it's happening mm-hmm. and, you know, and all of a sudden everything kind of makes sense as life goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure those, those, those family values and the, your, your faith, but also that sense of, what the mission was for your family, right? In terms of what what was the purpose, right? And right. how did you fit into the purpose of your family? And then I think, of course, you can you can translate that into being a coach and the purpose of, you know, that that all informs who you are and how you show up. And I think it's interesting like if you were to look back to that little Deanna to where you are today what would you say is still very much core to, you know, to how uh, you today? Yeah. I think, um, that little Deanna versus the person I am today. The one thing that has been consistent in my life is that I, I want to, I always want to make sure that I'm, I'm going at whatever the issue is or at the problem is. And I, I consider myself a fighter. I consider myself, um, someone who's very direct um, and someone who doesn't ever want to back down mm-hmm. to whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I may not like the result, but I don't ever want to back down. And I don't want anybody to ever take an advantage of something that they shouldn't. Um, and so I think that that little kid was the one who was, I think, a little scared and a little intimidated, but would fight no matter what. And not, I don't mean physically fight, but fight to to do something that I thought was important at the time. 
Yeah, that's the tenacity in you, I think. I see it. And uh, where did you fit in your family in terms of siblings? I was the baby. So Uh I was the one that got away with everything. Uh Uh-huh. And how many children? (laughs) Three, three girls. Oh, three girls. (laughs) Wow and wow. Yeah, I and I was definitely the biggest troublemaker. I was the one who pushed the limits. I and and it's funny because my mom would always tell me, "You're going to get one just like you. You're going to get one." <laughs> and guess what? I won't ask you which one is just like you. <laughs> we'll leave that for, for everyone's own, you know, uh, translation. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, you know, in terms of then, as we, we think about you and just where you are today versus, you know, from how you grew up and then thinking about formative experiences. So that certainly sounded very formative in terms of your growing up and the foundation. What would you say in life has been formative for you and has continued to evolve you and grow you and really plays a part in your, you know, your substance at this point in time? I would say when I think about things that have formed me, um, I I would say they're big, they're big moments. Um, And they're not always the best moments. Um, The things that have formed me the most are my hardest moments. Um, I would say uh, when I took over, when I got this job, it was, I was nine months pregnant, eight, eight and a half months pregnant when I was named the head coach at Notre Dame. Uh, I cannot. That is wow. And so, wait, when did the first call happen versus when did you, you know, take the job and land in South Bend? Well, the crazy thing was, I I came here four years earlier as the assistant coach. Okay. Oh, right. Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I came in 1997 as the assistant coach. And then four years later, the head coach stepped down, come out of the blue. And I, it was not the plan. Wow. Um, and so I said, well, I have, choi- I have a choice to make. I'm going to go for it. Or I'm going somewhere else. And so I went for it and I got it. You threw and your was, hat in the ring and you were pregnant and you were like, you know what? Lean in. Yep. Lean in. Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. So, so you yeah. went in. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I think another moment, um, I think, uh, about, well, it was nine years later when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer that completely formed, I think who I am now. Um, I would say, you know, I think it's kind of almost like a 10 year thing, <laughs> you know, every nine, 10 years, life changes a little bit and takes a left-hand turn and you have to make a decision. Yeah. Are you going to go that way or are you going to try to stop and go a different way? Um, so I think those are two moments in my life that have completely m- have made who I am. Yeah. Uh, but in, in those years, though, there's really tough times. Um, and, and you just figure out how to make yourself a little bit better during the toughest times. Mm-hmm. Why would you say that your daughter Tatum's diagnosis 10 plus years ago is what is most informative today. In what way would you say that is true? Oh my gosh. You are. That diagnosis completely changed me. Um, and it made me realize what's really important. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the, I remember 
prior to that, I had lost in a regional tournament. I remember um, curling up in a ball and thinking that I couldn't go on the next day. Like I was, I was a failure. Hmm. I was the biggest failure on the planet and I couldn't get beyond myself. Like how selfish, right? Like it was a softball game, but I couldn't get past that. Um, and then when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer, that didn't matter. Yeah. It's perfect. It didn't matter. And everything shifted. Um, my, why I do what I do has completely shifted you know, I can tell you, you know, when you think about my mission statement prior to her being sick, it was all about, you know, being a best coach and winning and showing, you know, people how to succeed on the field and, you know, in the classroom. But now it's all about being a great mentor and help women become stronger in dealing with things that happen in life. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is hands down my number one priority mm-hmm. in the job that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your mission is to help women, as you just said, empower, and then they will be the leaders out in the world, and they're going to have the internal resources that are going to be developed under your tutelage, and also just, I think, as they go forth in life in a way that gives them that mental edge and Mm -hmm. that strength, because you and I have talked about life is hard and it can be a motherfucker. And I don't think there is any way around that. I think that is, if we live long enough, we have the crosses to bear. And as you said, the most painful and the hardest have been the most formational. And I think that's, that is always the, we don't actively want to go out and pursue those and seek those And yet those are what I think hone us. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I think we become, because as athletes, I think part of our mentality is we want adversity. We want hard. We want to grow. We want to evolve. We want to develop. But as you said, I think that came from more of a surface, kind of a a more of a self-absorbed place or more of a, yeah, yeah, like I'm a, you know, I'm an athlete, I'm a competitor and let's go to a... I want to deepen my resolve and I want to be the real thing and I want to be the full package. And I definitely like to win, but it isn't always about the win. It's about who I'm becoming in the process of going for those wins. And it's the bigger, it's the big, it's the human formation. It's like, um, I don't know. I I feel like it's part of our character development. I think we think about those things much more now than I think when we were younger, right? And even Absolutely. as you said, before Tatum got sick, you probably were, there was a self-absorption probably to like, everything was about winning. Winning. And your worthiness was tied to performance. It's all that mattered. Yep. And yep. then it's this, this disengaging and this letting go of that sense of, and this is a great message for young people of saying, your performance, your worthiness has, there is no relationship. Nope. You were as worthy you know, from the moment you stepped on this earth and, and breathed, you know, life in, in this world. And then you're, if you stay on the couch for the rest of your life, I'm like, you're just as worthy as the next person who's in the boardroom in the, you know, C-suite or wins the world series, whatever. Um, exactly. It's not about worthiness, right? But it is about evolution and growth and potential and developing all of those things and our gifts and our, I think, yeah. contributing to the greater whole. 
Absolutely. And it's, and, you know, self-worth is such an important, it's so important to understand and it's, and we're so hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, our self-worth is so tied to our self-talk. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, aren't we always meaner to ourselves than anybody around us? And isn't that crazy? But when you think about it, it's nuts. It is. And and it's the most important relationship. It's the longest lasting relationship we have is with ourselves. Yeah. And it's the most, I think, telling of the quality of our lives and the quality of our relationships. Yeah. And yeah. And I, you know, I think the, one of the things that I always talk about with people Mm -hmm. is know and understand the difference between a challenge and hard. Like to me, that's everything. And it, and I always think it's so important to simplify things as much as possible, but think about your life and think about things that are a challenge mm-hmm. and then think about the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Marta, what you went through was just now is really hard. You know, a test that we're taking a week from now is just a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, softball game, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's not the hard stuff. And to understand the difference of that, I don't know if people can really understand it until it happens, but there's a huge difference. Well, and that's probably part of your genius as a coach is I think simplification mm-hmm. is really important to simplify the very big messages and the, you know, the, the, um, the ability to convey the truth yeah, in a way that's bite-sized and also I think gets inside their pore. It's like it's in it's inside of them, and yeah. they feel it. It's they it. know it. They experience it. Yeah, yeah. I think you know um, when you consider you're creating an environment for your people, a condition really that allows them to to flourish and supports them. Um, and challenges them to do that in an environment that is going to have adversity and hard and challenge chosen and otherwise hard is, you know, as you said, there's two, they're two different animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both are good. Um, mm-hmm. both are real hone us, right. And make mm-hmm. us stronger. Um, I think of, when we create an environment like that where we can flourish, sometimes I think there's a, well, I think it's important to even distinguish between flourishing and thriving because I think sometimes yeah. thriving is, is this like, you know, it's, it's, it's not perfection, but it almost feels like everything's going and, and um, all the wheels are turning. Whereas I think flourishing is more like, it's taking into consideration everything and you're still showing up and you're still, yes. is that the good stuff still happening? Even when things aren't in perfect sync. Right. Right. And that's, that's, I think what you're also teaching them every day is, mm-hmm. and the showing up, um, yep. the company, the practices, the, the games, the, the, the relationships you're building on the team. How would you talk about in, and share with our listeners how you create that environment for your people and the expectations that you have to withhold those and uphold those standards. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, I'll be the first to say we have a very loving environment, but we also have huge standards Mm -hmm. and we expect these standards to be upheld. Um, and we talk about our pillars all the time. 
Um, you know, we, we, again, we try to simplify things as much as possible. When we talk about our mindset, our identity, our purpose, and our standards. And what we do is we make everything kind of fit into those four pillars. Um, and we talk about mindset all the time, you know, a championship mindset, you know, making sure that we're thinking right, right? Because, you know, we always talk about, you know, we work, we work with a performance coach and as much as we're in the weight room, we're working on our mindset as well. And we do, you know, mental rehearsal for the mind as much. Yeah. The resistance. Exactly. Yeah. You need yeah. that. So we've good. got to talk about, you know, we, uh, you know, the brain's a muscle and we got to put that in the weight room as much as we're putting all our other muscles in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talk a lot about the mental side of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you say based on mindset, this goes back in time for you, but I'm curious, did you, do you feel like that mindset you were given when you were a little girl in terms of the conditioning and what you were taught and what you, the belief system that your family had, et cetera. Do you feel like that is a huge informer today or did you shed a lot of that and create new or kind of a combination? Oh, I, you know, I think that I had to come and find it. Um, because I was the competitor who didn't talk very nicely to myself and felt like I had to always get, do more, do more, do more, do more, do more, uh, to be better. Uh, and that took a lot of time and I think it had, and it had to be purposeful and it had to be something that I was, I had to commit to, um, because it's not easy because I didn't realize how much time I needed to spend on building mindsets the way that I do now. And I, that's to me, the most important gift I can help my players with because the rest of it's going to happen. You know, the rest of it's going to happen on the field, in the weight room, uh, you know, the X's and O's. Um, but when you talk about mindset, I think the more you understand the why of why do I act the way I do? Why do I, you know, say the things I say to myself, you know, building routines. I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. And for, I think that's, it's the biggest challenge for, I think, younger people too, to understand that it really works mm-hmm. and, but you have to spend time to do it well. I almost would say, Deanna, maybe I tell me you, you might call me out on this, but I, <laughs> I would almost imagine that you're getting such talented players coming through the doors that are highly formed in terms of their their gift, their their talent, their their physical capacity, capabilities. Those things are already pretty highly yes. developed. Need tweaking, but in general, they're pretty much kind of the, at the top of their game. Whereas I think the mindset is probably where they need the most work. It's the deepest deepest dive. And yet it's that full package because once you have that on board, I'm sure, I mean, I, you just mentioned performance coach. I'm sure that, or that alone, we we didn't have that when I played and, you know, we we were, we were kind of just, we did what we did. Right. Yeah. Um, So would you agree or just, how would you articulate that? Well, I can tell you the people who we get in here, number one, they are great athletes mm-hmm. and they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. So they have these brilliant minds um, and they're so darn smart. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that you need to almost, okay, take a step back, you know, take a step back and just think about how you, you know, what you say to yourself, how you say it, what are your thoughts? What are your routines? Because, um, there, you know, so many of these kids are so regimented when they get here yeah. and they've done something a certain way all the time that it's really hard to change that. And you have to, you have to put the work in, like you have to really, mm-hmm. it's gotta be something that you think about every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we talk about what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you smell? What do you see? You know, um, and, and just take a moment to slow down because we have a bunch of fast movers here as well, because, you know, they were great in athletes. They were great in school and they expect to be great in everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we know, the higher levels you go in work and in sport and in life, the challenges keep on coming and they mm-hmm. come in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so these tools, I'm hoping that obviously I want them to work on the field because in the long run it will help, but it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to explain. Like, listen, like, of course we want you to understand this because we want to get the best you yeah. on the field, but this is going to help you be the best you when you leave here and you're, you know, dealing with work and you're dealing with your spouse and you're dealing with your, you know, with, with real life things. Mm-hmm. So we spend a lot of time on the mental you, side of the game. Do you spend a lot of one-to-one time with your players to get to know them? Or do you feel like, I mean, how does that work? How do they feel seen and known? And Well, I, it's something that I'm actually really proud of. <laughs> Because, um, yes, we, we do in the fall, um, what we do is, so we have 22 players and, um, we have four coaches. So we split up the classes and we take one class a week individually. So I'll take the seniors. So this, I'll be like, seniors sign up a time to come meet with me. 15 minutes, give me 15 minutes, go grab a coffee. Um, and some of them just absolutely hate it because they're just uncomfortable. But the more we do it, the more fun it becomes. And and then we end up like really like shooting the shit sometimes. And, and it's nothing, but it's just building conversation and it's building a stronger bond. And it's because they have to understand that softball is softball and they know how bad I want to win. But at the end of the day, like who they are as people hands down trumps the softball player they are mm-hmm. any day. And yeah, you already have the, you know, you have such gifted players that, yeah, yeah. Your job is really developing them as human humans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, winning some softball games. Yeah. And being the badass you are of like, tw- was it 22 years? I was like, she's been here 22 <laughs> or well, 22 as the head coach. Is yeah. that right? Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, three or four as the assistant, as yeah. you mentioned. Nuts. Yeah, Deanna. Yeah. Well, yeah, you make it, yeah, you make it look really good. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't um, know. It, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. So how do you develop the leaders on the team then, would you say? Oh, gosh. I think through, I mean, well, we have committees for everything too. So it, it's very, I mean, we, we, we have a fashion committee. We have a food committee. <laughs> no joke. We have entertainment committee. That's so we have, yeah, we have a service committee and we have a mental health committee. 
Oh my gosh. And so we're constantly, because I want them to understand like, these are important things too. And number one, I don't ever care what we eat. So I need someone to decide. So that's their job. I don't care what we wear. So they need to decide. (laughs) And when it comes to um, these other things, like service is such a big part of our program that Mm -hmm. we said that deserves a committee. Like, let's make sure we're doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mental health, as we all know, it's changed. Things have changed. And I think, I know this sounds crazy, but I think it's for the better. I don't know if it sounds crazy, but no, tell me more. Go go further. Yeah. Go deeper on that. Because these aren't new problems Mm -hmm. that these kids are dealing with. They just know how to put it in a bucket and have a name for it. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I'm struggling Maybe there's depression or maybe there's anxiety or maybe they're just having a really bad day. Maybe they're exhausted and I just don't want to be here. Now there's actually, we can talk about it and they don't feel, I'm hoping that they don't feel as bad about it. Um, And, you know, we have journal writing. We do a mental health survey once a week, just check in on them to make sure like, is someone, you know, is this a bad week? Do we need to give them an extra day off? Mm-hmm. So that's where that comes in. And we didn't have this growing up. Like we didn't know what it was. We just know we felt horrible about ourselves sometimes. That's right. We did. And we that's that. why I say, I, people are always saying like, that, well, this generation is, you know, I don't, there, I don't know if there's a name for it, but I think it's a really good thing because finally the problems aren't different. I think that we're, that we're seeing them in light and understanding them a little bit more and hopefully doing, making better decisions to help them. Yeah. Well, I think coping mechanisms are, are improving because of that. I think as you said, it's putting words to what's going on inside, Yes, which is where so much of the havoc I think is, you know, is, is happening because, you know, when you don't know how to express yourself and you don't have words for it and you don't bring it, into the light, as you said, it really can take its toll. And yes. I think you can feel super isolated. You can feel like something's wrong with me. Yes. I'm perspective. This is never going to get better. Um, there's all sorts of things that I think can happen for young people when you are, um, you know, you're, you aren't as developed in that internal um, landscape. And the more we help our young people do that. And the more we are able to, I think, give it a life of its own and also, you know, complement it with the fact that their the resume looks really sparkly and good, but internally they're also pretty yes. fabulous and, and well, and um, feel worthy and whole there too. I mean, imagine, you know, that's really, I think what we're ultimately going for. Um, but as you said, I think the awareness around mental health is so much, um, greater now. And COVID, I think, gave us a, a, you know, it served it up for us. And I think (laughs) we've seen a whole lot of, um, you know, even just the aftermath of uh, COVID, I think, in some ways has been more devastating for some people than even during. Um, But it's like building this repertoire that we've never built before or needed maybe to build in the way that we do today. And that's exactly, I think what you're saying. It's like, Hey, this is good. There's, there's so much good that's coming from this awareness. 
And we're also living in a world that is, you know, coming at us from all different directions. And we have to develop more of that repertoire to be able to, to function and not just function, but flourish. Yes, Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think the toughest thing for this generation is um, social media. I think it's Mm -hmm. the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how do you deal with that with your players? Like what, how, how do you address that Deanna? Because if you have something magical to share, I'm in. I I don't, I I wish I did. I just talked to them about and say, you guys, you're, I, and I sometimes say, I feel so bad for you guys because you have to have this all the time. It's in your face all the time, mm-hmm. whether you love it or whether you don't, it's in your face all the time. We were complete idiots. Sometimes no one ever knew it because right. no one posted nothing it. documented. Right. No. Thank you. <laughs> and that's why, and that's why I always say like, I, I made really stupid mistakes, but no one heard about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, when you, you know guys about it, it. You don't forget necessarily no. things you did, but no. right, it wasn't for the world to see. And you had That's, a chance to be able to ingest it and process it in the exactly. privacy of your own. Yeah, exactly. I, I learned from it without it being all over for the world to see. Right. I also think, though, the relationship with our phones and social media in general can be addressed in a way where I think we can model that as well. Um, for young people to just say, look, you don't have to always be accessible 24 seven, even do not disturb is a beautiful thing to put on your phone. I have a client when I talk to him, he literally, I I keep hearing his phone buzzing. I'm like, Hey, just by the way, no (laughs) way you don't have to turn off or not. But just so you you're aware your homework this week is when you're with people, I want you putting your phone on do not disturb because I want you to notice just you're unaware. And I being, you know, your coach, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, so you're not fully present and to be fully present, right? We've got to remove all these distractions. So we do have rules about them just so you know. Yeah. Uh, And I think they've been really, uh, I think that they appreciate them now. And I think that they understand them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when we are on away trips, the phone never leaves the bus. Yeah. So when we go somewhere, the phones, you keep your phone on the bus. So once we leave the bus, there's no phones. Um, When we eat as a team, there's never a phone at the table ever. Mm -hmm. Um, When we're walking in an airport, we never have our earphones in. So good. So good. Um, and it's just, it's being aware, yeah. you know, it, and it's being a people with, be who you're with at it's that moment. Present. Right? I mean, yes. seriously, it's back to just even the, the presence of what yeah. that, that means. And even the five senses as you were describing and that sense of body awareness. And, yeah. um, and then of course, being able to, you know, engage with people in relationship. I was even thinking back, I don't know if this is the case, but when you said that it's really uncomfortable at first for your players to to go grab coffee with you, I was like, I think part of that is also young people aren't very adept at relationship because the, and in person, anything, right? Yeah. And so conversation, you know, it's an art and yeah. it's something that we want to continue to help them evolve and grow too, because when we, we converse and we, we are good at that art, we connect. And when we connect, we feel, you know, we just feel better as humans when we feel connected to people, right. And feel seen anyway. 
It's Absolutely. all related, right? Well, it's funny because I had a sophomore this year say to me, can we meet more than, you know, just my one time with you in the, you know, in the, in the four weeks, I said, we can meet anytime you want. So we just started getting coffee every other week. Yeah. And we were, it's only like a half an hour and we didn't always talk about softball. Yeah. And I think in her mind, like she just needed to know I'm really, I'm just, I'm just me. Yeah. Yeah. You're just you. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So on a personal note, and I'm curious, do you, do you, or have you found that making time for your kids too, it, it, like the Starbucks, like, I, I mean, it's, it was hard even with COVID. We, there was no really places you could go necessarily but, um, to, to, to schedule time to say, Hey, this is our time, even a walk or, you know, I'm just aware of how with work, I've got it all baked in. But when it's with my kids, it's like, I got to really walk the walk there too, because it's easy to just be with the busyness of all of it. Um, I mean, we don't do the phones at the table. Those kinds of things are absolutely um, baked in. But I was curious if you find yourself doing that with your kids, making time, figuring out. I try to take drives um, and don't tell my daughter this. I won't say anything. No one knows. (laughs) Um, no, I intentionally, um, try to drive with Tate, my daughter, um, just to spend time with her. And that's when I always ask her the hard questions because she can't leave the car. So good. Confinement. She's con- She's in, she's she confined. Did. She's contained. Yes. The other thing that's great about the car, I think, is that there isn't the direct eye contact. Right. It's not just sitting there. And it's so, especially yep. when it's hard conversation, it's like you're driving and you're processing and you yep. can look out the window or you can look straight ahead yes. or, you know, yeah. So I'll sometimes be like, Hey, you want to go to target? You know? And I just, because I, if something, if I feel like something's not right. Um, but that's my time with my, with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, we, we've always done such a pretty good job of connecting. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, you know, the oldest one will just sit on the couch and talk. He's the talker. So he's the easy one. It's the one that's not easy. You got to figure out where you can talk. And so the car has become my little place mm-hmm. to talk. Yeah. I love it. And your, your older one, he, do you feel like he also, he's a talker and therefore has he also developed an emotional intelligence or has maybe had a naturally, you know, a gift of that, but is able to express feelings and, and is, um, expressive in that way. So it's funny because I always, um, I always try to work with him on, um, his self-talk because I think he's really hard on himself because I think he's the one that always thinks he has to be, he always has to be good. He always has to be the Mm -hmm. one that, um, you know, he's the oldest he's at Notre Dame. He has to be successful and, you know, and, and I think how he handles pressure, um, I think he's really hard on himself. And that's something that we've, the, over the last, I would say, really for the last two years, when we started spending a lot of time together at, through COVID, that blessed yeah. COVID, the yeah. positives. Yeah. Um, and just talking through and, and really trying to help him navigate and be like, who cares? Yeah. Like, are you happy? Do you yeah. love this? where do you, what do you want to do? And, um, and so I think, 
I think he's trying to manage that too, because he's figuring it all out too. You know, it, are we ever done figuring it out? I don't think so. Um, no. And I think a student athlete, I mean, for him, I, I think he being, um, at a, you know, a top tier in a top tier program, um, you know, the pressures are intense yeah, and they're absolutely. immense. And, um, and I don't think that you can look at that in any other way, but to say it's like baptism by fire. I mean, I don't think that yeah. they have necessarily the built-in, um, you know, mechanisms to cope with some of that stress, right? Yeah. They, they're going to they learn it. It's like you build your wings on the way down yeah. um, and you find Truly. a way, but it is, it can be dark. And I think having that soft place to land you know, even with parents, especially, I would think it's complicated because as a coach for you, um, that's got to be hard. And John's a coach too. So what yeah. am I saying? He's got it yeah. from all sides. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I would think that it's this learning as a parent differently than as a coach, what it means to just say, hey, like, I'm not going to break your game down for you. I'm not going to... No you know, you know, analyze every last thing you did or didn't do or what you should have done. I'm going to be like, you want to go to Starbucks or you want to go to McDonald's and after the game and no X's and O's talk necessarily, unless he asks for it, I guess. I don't know. But I guess it's almost like you probably have to, and understanding developmentally where he is and who am I and he's figuring his shit out and he doesn't know. And yet he's, his identity is probably very tied to, you know, what he does and societally people probably pour that on and then some 100%. 100%. yeah and then trying to find your your you know your way and your 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 person and your your essence yeah. um and just navigating like who are you you know and and so yeah. it's no different for my kids i see yeah. i see them deal with it you know what the greatest gift is my daughter plays volleyball and i don't know you don't know it's the greatest gift in the whole totally world. Agree. Yeah. No, Isn't because your, your mouth is, you, you have no words to put to it except like, wow, that was good. Or I think yeah. that was good. Or was that good? Or I don't yeah. really know. And yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was a great day. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm like, sorry. Okay. <laughs> right. Being able to say like, it was really fun <laughs> to watch you play. Yeah. Right? That's as simple as that. It really is. And it's so fun. It is. Yeah. I love it. I heard someone describe parenting uh, young young kids and, and young adults who are playing sports like going to a movie. And when you go to the movie, you watch a movie. You don't commentate. You don't stand up and cheer and yell and scream. You, you watch the movie. And it's like, that is your children's a- athletic life. Like, you watch the movie. Watch your the job movie. is just to show up for the movie, eat the popcorn, and uh, take it in. And I'm like, it's kind of perfect, right? Yeah. It really is. Gosh, I that should be on every billboard in this country. Because, wow. I mean, trying to, as a coach, trying to undo some of the things mm-hmm. that have been done over and over and over. And knowing that, okay, gosh, where did I screw up here mm-hmm. as a parent? Oh, yeah. Because I have. Trust me. Like, I Oh, uh, you know, well, I, it's, uh, yeah, some bigger I mean, scrubs than others, right? But then at the yeah. end of the day, you're like, thank God they're resilient. Thank God yes. they have yes. therapists. Thank God they'll, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll fund it. Like, 
whatever it takes, whatever you got. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. I'm such a believer uh, of all of that. I mean, our parents weren't perfect and, you know, we, we figured it out and we continue to figure it out. And I think our young people do the same thing. And that's the beauty of it. It's like loving the hell out of them when we screw up, coming back, circling back, repairing where we can owning our stuff being self-aware enough that we're doing our own work and staying in our lane. I think life is a cycle. It's the weirdest. I don't know. Yeah. I have this thing, um, but I think everything is so cyclical and I, and I can see the, even with the parenting thing, it's a, it's very cyclical mm-hmm. and you can see it happening mm-hmm. and then you got to find your way back and then That's you, right. you know, it's all cyclical. Yeah. It's um yeah. Smooth sailing for a little bit and then yeah. the, the waters get choppy. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then it's like, dig in, let's go. Got work to do. Got to fight through it. Mm-hmm. And then you smooth. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking we could kind of end it by finishing some thought stems. Like, so I'll start out a thought and then you can finish it however you want. Okay. I know. No pressure. This is fun. Okay. I mean, I, I came up with random ones. I was like, well, this would be fun. So all the women I've coached or am coaching have taught me dot, 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 dot. What would you say? All the women who have coached have taught. Oh gosh, we can come back to it too. Well, gosh, I feel like they teach me more than I teach them because they all bring in these experiences who make me better. Mm -hmm. Uh, My teams have taught me way more than I will ever teach them. About yeah, it's true. It's it's just about loving who you are and being okay sometimes with not being okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good, Deanna. That's like gold right there. Yes. <laughs> what I wish I knew when I was 18 to 22 years of age, dot, dot, dot. That everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make it through the hard stuff. And there's going to be way more happiness than sadness Mm. and more joy. I think joy is the most important word in my life oftentimes Mm -hmm. um, because finding joy in not always like the best stuff um, is so important. And I wish I knew that then like just find you're always going to be able to find joy in something. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I don't think you can really feel joy unless you felt pain. So I think the contrasting emotion is key. Yeah. Yeah. And I think feeling all the emotions enhances that, that quality, that tonal quality of all emotions in general of like, when you feel joy, it is incredible. It's It's like, yeah, the embodiment is, yeah, there's nothing sweeter, nothing better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What I wish parents would understand. Bad decisions don't always define the person. I think really good people make bad decisions and it's okay. And you can come back from it and you're still a really good person. Yeah. Amen to that. It's all about the journey, destination, both. Yeah. 
And I think parents, like just from my perspective as a coach, they're so hard on the things and it's just, maybe it's just a bad decision. It could be an on the field bad decision in the game or it can be off the field bad decision. And they're so hard on them on those bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, I understand that, but they're still great. They're so great people. They're so great players. Mm-hmm. They're still awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who cares? Move on. Uh, lighter note. What's your favorite song? Oh, anything by pink. Pink. Love it. I love pink. She's <laughs> yeah. She's kind of fabulous. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm trying to think of my favorite pink song, but what is your favorite pink song? Uh, I, I'm singing it in my head. You're singing it. Can you sing yeah. it? Out loud? Um, <laughs> Okay, oh, so it's called So What? So What? Uh, it's kind of perfect. Okay, so what? <laughs> so what? I finally, I finally got the lyric. I in my love head. it. It's so good. Um, <laughs> and I guess the final question would be, what is your purpose in this life? Ooh. I, you know, who. I think professionally, it'll always be um, just to help build strong women. And personally, I think it is to be a kick-ass friend who will have your back no matter what. All right, you guys. There you have it. Deanna Gump. She is a love. And I will plan on, as I said early on, to get her back on the podcast for more conversation and to take some of the themes that we touched on today a little bit deeper and wider. So until then, big love to you guys. Have good weeks. Take care. Keep on humaning. Keep on showing up doing the best you can and know that I'm cheering for you from afar and certainly walking the walk. All right, big love. Take care, guys. Having a life coach can sweeten the often messy and hard and awesome journey of being human. Do you have a life coach? And if not, I would be so privileged to be your coach. I have a private coaching practice for individuals and families where we work on getting to the heart of your struggles and paving a path forward that helps you create a life that you truly love. When you're prepared to take what you're learning on this podcast and implement the tools and techniques so that you experience profound and lasting results, then contact me at martabrummel.com and we can hit the ground running. I truly cannot wait to work with you.